Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. And, uh, yeah, wonderful day. Recorded live. Occur. Things I learned from mother, I guess I could put my mother in there, make it more personal. Um, But (laughs) I think all of us, when we think about what is it we learned from mother, well, the list would be quite long, I imagine, all of us. I was thinking uh, also that, you know, in just in, in my life, most of the mothers I've known, spoke to, was around or whatever, were Christian mothers in one place or another. I've known some that weren't, and I've known some women that became Christian mothers and all of that, but my experience is limited uh, in the whole concept, even though... Um, everyone thinks they're an expert on mother when they have one. (laughs) But what I learned, well, um, I learned the things that she wanted me to do and the things she didn't want me to do. That's my first understanding. And um, I don't know how comfortable I was with it. Uh, Probably not too bad. but, But later on, um, as far as mother goes, um, I learned that uh, she expected me to do certain things, say certain things, and and be uh, the kind of uh, child that she wanted. That's what she expected. So she had a way of uh, helping me understand that uh, that was necessary. And... Um, I guess one of the best things that that, uh, I learned is she instilled in uh, myself and, of course, my other brothers the real idea of uh, uh, taking care of our own affairs, uh, being responsible for what we do. Get up in the morning. If you didn't wake up, if someone calls you, you get up. You don't wait for a second call. That would not be good. And things of this nature take responsibility. And I think um, not everyone has that experience with their parents. And it's too bad because I think it's very useful. And later on, I remember my mother teaching me that uh, God had created the world we live in. And to me, that was just, I just could not imagine the enormity of what she was saying. But I could tell she really believed it. (coughs) And in the early days, uh, uh, church wasn't uh, so much of a norm in our family, even though I remember going with my little friends and 
came back with a whole box of offering envelopes one time, which did not uh, my dad was not all that pleased about. I think he made me take them back. Uh, but nonetheless, I was very fortunate to see my parents become Christian people. And in uh, back in Iowa and uh, under uh, uh, Brother Albert Newland, who was a preacher in the church there, and, and the elders who were involved in my dad's conversion, Dr. Harrison and Brother Peterson. <clears throat> you know, I remember everybody and all their names. I don't think I could recognize them on the street. Most of them aren't with us any longer. But nonetheless, uh, it was a real experience for me to see what occurred, hear, hear what occurred, watch my parents see how they operated and, and, and what was said and what they would say. And Then I got to see them when they were baptized. I think it was sometime in December of uh, about 56, something like that. And uh, the old baptistry was a tank in the floor, and it went down, and it just happened to be right over the top of the stove in the basement, so they turned the stove burner on and warmed the water up. This is December in Iowa, so the water needed to be, uh, it was warm and green. So, anyway, I wondered, what does all this mean? And it was, it was puzzling. But I learned a lot through those years. I certainly learned a lot. My mother expected me to be <clears throat> behaved in church and listen to what was said. And I think that's not too too much to ask, is it? Uh, nonetheless, that's what we did. So I learned a lot, but I probably could have learned more if I wasn't thinking about some of the things I wanted to do all the time. Nonetheless, I've said many times in the presence of others that I really respect mothers, um, but I really, really highly respect Christian mothers because they're just the people that I want to be around. Now, that's selfish, I know, but I still really think it's important. And I've been blessed. I know I'm fortunate to have been raised by a Christian mother in a Christian home and my dad got into the Christian faith and just went, uh, made it who he was. So I've been surrounded by such women as these in the church most of my life. And uh, like I said, it probably makes me an expert, I suppose, in some ways. I can talk about it. Um, I've also learned a lot being married to a Christian woman. Uh, it's a different thing, obviously, than your mother. But I've learned a lot. She's taught me a lot about relations, love, teaching others. Just watching her teach children, has I've added a lot to my understanding. Um, maybe I was going to say she taught me patience, but maybe that maybe not. I'm not that good a student. I have high expectations um, because that's kind of my background and I expect it of others, rightly or wrongly. I think we need to be careful about that. So, it's the women of 
faith that live in this world now or have lived in the past that really, uh, I really feel strongly about. And I, I really, I think it's harder for women to live in this world, to have a safe and confident experience in this world than maybe it is for men. I don't know. Uh, the idea of being a weaker vessel, I think, is not weaker in a mental capacity, but just an emotional thing. I think men are different than women. I know they are. But when you put the two together the way they're supposed to be, then it works. Then you've got a strong unit um, that's both has all the attributes of being a human. So, by ourselves, I know what it's like to be my, by myself. <clears throat> I was a little lacking in some areas, you know what I mean. So, um, I chose a text today that I've always loved, and it's uh, found in Second uh, Timothy, the first chapter, and it, uh, I think it, very briefly, it speaks well of two women in there that um, it just floors me that that someone's mother and grandmother is in the scriptures. You know, just like Jesus talked about the the woman that uh, anointed his feet and, and all of this, that her story would be there, you know. And it's incredible when you think about it, um, the, the, the situation that we have. I want to share it with you. I just, uh, <clears throat> I don't want to just break in. I'm just going to start with verse 1 through 11. Um, and remember, this is a, a letter, an epistle as we call it, but something written from the Apostle Paul to Timothy the Evangelist, a second epistle that he wrote to him. And I have a date here somewhere in the 60s, um, A.D. 60. So it laid in the uh, in the life of the Apostle Paul for sure. If he indeed was martyred in Rome, it would have been sometime uh, shortly after this, probably maybe '68. Uh, anyway, uh, this was written late, um, but anyway, the Apostle Paul starts starts his. Uh, letter this way. Paul, apostle of Jesus Christ, through the will of God, according to the promise of life, the life which is in Christ Jesus. To Timothy, my beloved child, grace, mercy, peace from God, the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I am thankful to God, whom I serve, from my forefathers with pure, with a pure conscience, how in, uh, unceasingly I have re- remembrance of thee in my supplications night and day, earnestly desiring to see thee, remembering thy tears, that I may be filled with joy, calling to mind the unfade, uh, unfaded love which has been in thee, by the way, that word means sincere. It means actually, it means not unsincere, but it means he has a sincere faith. Um, 
than it has been in thee, Timothy, which dwelt first in thy grandmother, Lois, and in thy mother, Eunice, and I am persuaded that in thee also. For which cause I put uh, thee in mind to rekindle the gift of God which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of cowardice, but of power and of love and of a wise discretion. But not therefore, be not therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but suffer evil along with the glad tidings according to the power of God, who has saved us and has called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before the ages of time, but has been made manifest now by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who has annulled death and brought to life light and incorruptible by the glad tidings through the glad tidings actually to which I have been appointed a herald and an apostle and a teacher of the nations I'll stop there there's really no place to stop in that letter you want to go from go on but as we're talking about mothers today and um and the way that scripture is laid out, I think it's very, uh, very important. Um, I like the idea that Paul's reassurance to Timothy um, is part of his, uh, in his, the way that he remembers, uh, is reminded of him, reminded of all that he does. Not only that, all that he is and all that he does, and, and probably, you know, thinking, I wonder how things are going for him right now. You know, Paul mentions Timothy when he speaks to God or his supplications. Uh, doesn't mean he's necessarily praying all the time, but he's certainly remembering Timothy in his own thoughts. But in supplications, uh, in petitions before God, Timothy is remembered in Paul's thoughts. He also remembers his tears and his faith. And don't we remember these things about people? Uh, I think these are the things that we remember if we really care about them. But in verses 1 and 2 of that, there's something in there I think is very important that kind of sets this apart from a letter you might receive from a friend somewhere or letters that you have seen written between one person or another. Uh, All of this reassurance by Paul to Timothy is within the framework of what what he calls the promise of life, the life which is in Christ Jesus. He kind of makes that the center center thought here. Um, And, you know, that really is the center of the thought. Uh, These aren't random letters. This is... This letter, this epistle had a purpose within the kingdom of God. Sure, it was an encouragement to Timothy, uh, but it was also instructional. 
Uh, it was things he needed to hear, uh, both doctrinally to strengthen or emotionally. And um, a lot of times when people bring things up <clears throat> about things that we have done together or said, or it kind of it's encouraging, and it makes it brings things to our our mind. But that that phrase, promise of life, the life which is in Christ Jesus. To me, this is the key of all that is Christendom, all that is church. It's the faith in Christ, is what I'm trying to say. Faith of Christ, the Son of God. What is true Christian is has a real promise. And as David's mentioned here uh, the past couple of months, that word promise, you know, what? we need to forget about the so-called rule book out there and start concentrating and remembering the promises that God has given us, his people, and the Lord, his son, has given us. There's real promises. They're wonderful promises. And some, some of them are a promise of what's going to happen if you disregard everything, too. It's still a promise. You know, a promise like that has a lot more weight when there is the other side, the negative side. How can you hope for heaven if there's no punishment for evil doing? Can't. Not really. That's not logical. So, and it's not true either. So, um, that that to me is, is a kind of a key thing here. So, within all the writing, we have to remember, this is in God's God's purpose. This is according to his purpose as Paul makes clear, these aren't things that, it's not our best thinking. This is God's will. And the apostles, of course, had a connection with their Lord, had the mind of Christ, as they said, and they were sent to be his witnesses, to establish his word, his church, in the kingdom of God amongst men. And that's just what they did. So, uh, if we contrast the difference between that kind of letter with what we've just read here between the apostle and the evangelist or Christian people, we see there's a real foundation in all, everything that's said. But we might receive a letter from somebody who has, uh, there's no foundation such as this, and they wish you well and hope things are going well for you. Health, wealth, and uh, happiness. Those are good thoughts. But there's certainly no promise involved. Even our Constitution, you know, doesn't promise us anything. Um, it's, uh, it's a mandate that we should be allowed to access the blessings of God and the blessings of life. But there's no promise. There's, supposed to, there's a promise of fairness, lawfulness, and I think that's good. The other thing is, uh, the second point and the other uh, the middle point here is this sincerity, uh, unfeigning love or faith, uh, which is a sincere faith, a very sincere faith, having no insincerity in it. So it would be like a a true faith or a, a solid faith without doubt, let's put it that way. But sincere is a good word. I think we all know what that means. And it was found in Timothy, and 
members of his family. Not every member of his family. We only know about Timothy, his mother, uh, and his grandmother, Lois, the grandmother, and Eunice, his mother. And Paul made mention of their faith. And we don't know everything about it, but they may have been converted. Uh, I know that his mother and grandmother were uh, Jewish women, so they taught Timothy about the God of heaven, um, the one God of, of Israel, and and uh, the true God. And that's what Timothy knew. That was a good foundation for things to come that the apostles brought into the Jewish world to start with. Uh, that is the good news of Christ. And so now, they are Christian people. Um, as it says in, in 5, verse 5, um, that I may fill, be filled with joy and calling to mind the unfeigning love which has been in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother, Lois, and in thy mother Eunice, and I'm persuaded that it all uh, in, uh, abides in thee also. So, his grandmother, being the older one, was was uh, was a, a godly woman before uh, his mother was born to her, and on it goes. And I think that's a wonderful account. Uh, of these women speaks well of them and shows that uh, they had a real purpose. But I wonder how many millions of people have read this account of Timothy and his mother and grandmother and were really emboldened to tell their children about God. I, I wonder how many times that's happened. I think it's happened a lot of times. I say millions of people. Well, there's probably many more than millions of people have read this. How many were emboldened to do something for their sons and daughters? Uh, I hope is also a good, goodly number. But I think it's important that it's there because maybe it, maybe it is an emboldening thing uh, for mothers to, to say something, even if maybe no one else does. But, you know, this is God's way. If, if you're familiar with the Old Testament, you'll find that the concept of, of uh, uh, faith being passed from father to son, mother to daughter, and even, I believe it's in Deuteronomy, where the grandparents are expected to reinforce this. They speak, too, to the grandchildren about these things. That's God's way. Um, and so it goes. Now, here's the thing about it, though. As wonderful as that is, it can be just as sad and tragic if it doesn't happen. What happens? How is a child to know? And that's why what a, what a grave responsibility it is. <clears throat> and how wonderful it is to read about Timothy's mother and grandmother. And that's my point. But there's a warning there. God's way is always the right way. And even though it may not seem important at the time, down the road, it's always important. It's very important. So I would, I would hope Christian mothers never stop instructing their children 
encouraging them, and living a life that their children can emulate. So it's a full task all the way through. Lastly, I noticed something in this text that that I like concerning gift. Now, we know that uh, Timothy had a a gift uh, that was given him by the laying on of the Apostle Paul's hands, and these things are not available or cannot be accessed today since the apostles are with the Lord. Uh, But that's not the only gift that's mentioned here. Uh, There's more to it. I I believe, and it's something that lives within the church of Christ. So, um, in verse 6 and 7 again, let's just hear it again. For which cause I put thee in mind to rekindle the gift of God which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of cowardice, but of power and of love, and of wise discretion. Be not therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but suffer evil along with the glad tidings according to the power of God. And uh, Timothy had a gift from the apostle for the ministry he had within the church. I don't know what it was. It doesn't say here. It's not necessary for us to know. And um, But Paul was reminding him of this. And I don't know if for some reason uh, maybe somebody said, well, Timothy doesn't, seem to, is, doesn't do thus and so like he used to. I don't know if that was something that Paul heard and thought, well, maybe I better remind Timothy of this gift that, that he had that is for the, for the church. It's not for him not to set him apart from somebody else, the gifts that were given were to build the church, to benefit the people, uh, to do the work of evangelism and these sorts of things. So he was encouraging Timothy to use that gift for the intent and the purpose that it was given. Um, And maybe, you know, these were trying times, remember. Trying times. Timothy lived in a, in, in, a, in a dangerous world, if you will. Think of the oppression of the Romans. Even though there, were, they had, there was good quality within some of their, their, their government, it was also a dangerous place to be, especially as a Christian or even a Jew. Um, so these were, and, and then there was the persecution of the, of the Jews towards the Christians anyway, which was even more the forefront in these days uh, that really never did let up <clears throat> till the very last. So uh, that was Timothy's issue, but I like the, the idea of what Paul says here that I find these things to be part of uh, living in the church, we do have access the, to, the, to the gifts that we share as Christians in, within the, the body of Christ. Um, 
And as long as we have fidelity for the Lord, we can expect to be a useful individual in that group. And and uh, by either providence or just the idea that uh, we are studied and uh, um, and obedient to the word, we find that many things are true for us that may not be the experience of the world outside of the body of Christ. Now, the smartest people in the world, you'll find, are probably never going to be Christians. The most powerful, strongest, richest, whatever all of these words that we bring in, you'll you'll probably find that somebody's wrote a book about how they're not people of faith. They're apart from faith. But no matter who they are, and they all have limitations, don't they? What I like about being a Christian is that my God has no limitations. My Lord has no weakness, not secondary to anything, not needing of anything. And that's where I live. That's where I want to live. And and uh, when we live in Christ, uh, those of us that are pardoned by the gospel and our obedience to it, when that's where we live, I think we live in a secure house. A secure house, a really secure house. Better than locks, because, you know, a lot of folks can have a key to your lock. A way in. It's only one way into your house. And that's obedience to Christ. And when the person comes into the house under those uh, qualifications, they're your brother and sister. And there's no fear there. So, in that house, I think there are many attributes. Namely, quickly, no fear. Uh, That spirit of cowardice is not part of faith and real trust in Christ. And the power of God is present. It's a powerful place. And if you're listening with spiritual hearing, sight, and emotions, you can hear, you can hear it. You can feel it. Um, just like the workings of the world, if you're really listening, it's there. So you need to sort these things out. The third thing is love. And uh, in another place, uh, love is is said to dispel fear. You know, the first time I read that and understood what that meant, I felt pretty bad about being afraid of anything. Because To me, the more love I have, um, love as God defines love, the love that we're called to be, loving people towards each other, towards the world, and especially towards our God and our Savior, the more that we possess, the less afraid we're going to be of anything. Have you ever known somebody that's afraid of every waking minute of the day? Do they know they also have no love? 
because that would be true. And that's a sad state, a sad state to be in. And if I get fearful, it's because I forgot about love. And then discretion. Paul mentions discretion. Um, and discretion, I think we all kind of understand discretion, but uh, Darby here in his notes, he puts discretion simply means a quiet, sound, or sober mind. At peace, basically. In other words, you live a life of discretion. You can distinguish between this and that. And it doesn't cause calamity every time somebody opens a new door. This is what living in Christ is. This is what being a Christian is. And I'm glad. I'm, I'm glad that it's not like it's portrayed so many times. A constant struggle for uh, your next breath or the next emotional outburst. Um, it can be better than that. But we have to understand that uh, the, the issue of love is a big thing. And as, as we grow in love, and we need to grow in love uh, day by day if we can. Uh, these things can be ours. So to the mothers today and the fathers, of course, we understand these things. When you teach your children about God and his son and his church and all that is good and pure and decent and right in, in the world we live in, in the creation of God, then I think what you're giving them is an opportunity to have a life with real hope. At the end of the day, they don't have to go to bed every night with some fear of no hope for tomorrow, no hope of, no hope of anything after this life. You will give them that hope if you can give them God. And that's saying a lot in the world we live in today. Because I think really, I hear a lot of hopeless people yammering on and on and on. There's no hope anywhere for anything in their estimation. Because people are doing this and people are doing that. But what has God done? I'm not one that's expecting God to come down and fix things. He's gave the world everything they need, everything they need. To every man and woman, he has given them a way to live not only a, a calm life now in the, in the life that they live in these tents, but to have a real hope of heaven, to have a real hope. You know, hope's built on a substance, <laughs> and it's built on faith, and faith isn't just a flickering uh, breeze, a little filament that floats away out there that you grab hold of. No, uh, faith is built on something. And it's built on God's Word. So God's Word has to be a part of our life, has to be a part of our children's lives, and it has to be a part of our grandchildren's lives. If it isn't, remember. If it isn't a part of their lives, what will be is fear, no love, and no hope. 
That's the other side of it. Let's make sure we, we do the right thing. I'll try if you will. So that would be my message today. And uh, I'm very happy to be here bringing it to you. As we come together just now, uh, let me have a closing prayer and then we'll continue on with the rest of our closing song. If you bow with me at this time. Our Father, it is your word and it is your presence in your word and all that we see around us that we understand our responsibility to you. You have shown us love that that is even hard for us to define. You've showed us your power, Father. And you've shown us the way by your word through those men, the prophets and the apostles and the Lord himself who have come and spoke in this world. May we never forget these things, Father. And always put them in a place that they belong, which is in the preeminence of our thinking and our mind. And we pray, Father, and and we do pledge that these things will be real for us and that we will continue these things through our, our parenting, through our witnessing and our association. And I pray, Father, that that the the Christian mothers of this world will be strengthened day by day through your word and through the fellowship of the saints, wherever they may be. May they find a pleasant time, especially this day. And be with all of those, Father, that are seeking you at this time, for there are many. May we be sensitive to them, Father, in every way. Help us to recognize Help us to be useful to them in a way that they will be uh, drawn to you through the word expressed from your word. And we pray these things today in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family vgw group no purchase necessary void where prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus